Ladies and gentlemen, it's 2021. It's a whole new year. We're feeling fresh. We're feeling new. Um, so far, so far, 2021, we're, we're two days in, um, feels monstrously different monstrously. than uh, 2020. Yes. Um, there is, there is just hope, um, that's floating, which would be a great name for a movie. And, uh, there's hope floating in the air. There's joy resounding. Our political issues have gone away. The vaccine is on the horizon. The, the coronavirus, um, we, we scoff at the coronavirus now. We don't really. I feel like a pessimist because I just didn't notice any of that in the yeah. last two days. Yeah, that's funny. Well, Ohio State won. So that, I guess oh, maybe yeah. that maybe that maybe that colors everything for me. That the Buckeyes, the maligned Buckeyes, pulled off a shocker and upset um, the Jesus. Oh, looking is that what you texted ones. last night? What did you text? Yeah, Sorry. you guys were awful. I get I, I start getting texts <laughs> about Clem, is Clemson a football team or a skin disease? <laughs> I have all these artist tech friends who don't know sports for Jack. And um, and then when they try to talk crap, it doesn't go well for them. Let's just put it that way. Um, anyway, Tim, welcome to 2021. Oh, thank uh, you. It is it is great to see you. Oh. And um, and and let's just let's start by saying some thank yous. Let's start let's start the year with appreciating some some folks. We some have folks. a remarkable crew of people who support the podcast. Yes, and it it. It's just awesome. It really is. And I love it. And so I want to welcome and thank Dawn and Ryan and John and Rob and Cindy um, for coming on board uh, since the last episode to Patreon. Patreon is a community where you can support art or podcasts or songs or whatever. And um, there are different sort of incentives and levels. And if you want to to check that out, patreon.com. Um, uh, and then look up the Vox podcast with Mike Erie. You can probably look up Tim Stafford, but I don't know. I don't know where that's going to take you exactly. That's I dangerous. make no promises. Um, we got a request on the name change. It's 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 here. It's it. We have a new name. It has been chosen and celebrated. Um, <laughs> it we we are now looking at colors and branding Ooh. options because we're fancy like that. So that that hopefully will be becoming. I know many of you are breathlessly waiting. The thing you are most looking forward to in 2021 is what in the world. As that ball dropped, everyone was just like, "I just, I just gotta know." I gotta know. So we're excited. And then, did, Tim, you, watch, did you guys watch any of the on the, the countdown, like the televised ball drop thing this year? No, no, we didn't. Was it totally depressing? Uh it was just really it, it ended really fun there was like no one there it was in times square anderson cooper and what's the other guy's name andy cohen okay were hosting it but then after the ball dropped anderson cooper was pretty inebriated and snoop showed up and they started having a conversation about everywhere that snoop's gotten high oh my goodness <laughs> andy cohen was like grilling snoop on it and snoop was laughing but anderson cooper was like giggling and like falling off the stage, giggling. It was. It felt. <laughs> it felt appropriate. I don't okay. Know. All right. I I had just read about the train wreck that was. Um, Cindy Lauper evidently performed, and it didn't go well. I, I have not seen this. 
Oh, I'm gonna and then up. Vanilla Ice was performing. I saw that. And um, so it's, I mean, that what Trump's a, Mar-a-Lago or whatever. What a what a way to what a way to usher <laughs> out the year. So 2021. Yes. Who are the big artists so far? Cindy Lauper. Yes. And Vanilla, and Ice. Vanilla Ice. Yes, absolutely. And why? And why not? So why not? no, I did not watch. Um, we've been on a Harry Potter movie marathon. Ooh. And um, so there were some Deathly Hallows that were being pursued and some Horcruxes being destroyed. Yeah. Uh, so just look out, world. Voldemort is now in trouble. <laughs> um, but but Timothy, Voldemort. the tech wizard that Timothy John Stafford is, um, discovered that the podcast is listened to around the world. And um, which and, and we know that because we get emails from people who um, who drop in to say hello from wherever, and it's super cool. But but evidently we're in fifty countries. Tim, is that right? Fifty? Yeah. Or well, it only lists the top fifty. So oh, they only list the top fifty, as far as I can tell. So number one is the good old United States of America. That's right. And number fifty is. Oh, number fifty. I'm just gonna pull it up right now and check it. Uh, oh, I'm still on my. We're still on all time. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought I thought we were doing Ecuador. All-time. Ecuador is number fifty. Yes. If you are in Ecuador today, hello. Thank you for listening. But it is it is kind of fun to realize that through the magic of the interwebs, people are able to tune in. So thank you for all of that. Uh, just so much fun to to do this. We're going on. We're in our sixth year of doing this. I started Last when week I, the number fifty was Tanzania. Oh man, those are both epic fifties. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm gonna. I'm I, if I had to pick, I'm going Tanzania. There's a pocket of people though in Australia. I'm just curious. You guys should email us. I'm always curious how people find podcasts and. If any of that pocket is more than one person listening to it together, or yes, they they may have typed in non skinny jean wearing, non expensive tennis shoe having, because that's how I hashtag everything. Cool hair wearing no preacher sneakers. Yes, yes. Um, so anyway, I I think that's awesome. Anyway, enough of our nonsense today, ladies and gentlemen. Tim is angry, and Tim, Uh-oh. Tim, um. So Tim doesn't get angry often, but when he does, it's really angry. And, <laughs> Lots and so, of stomping. so today, uh, I, I just wanted to revisit a little bit of Tim's, oh, I wish we had a cool name for this segment, Tim's <laughs> Troubled Times. Tim's Troubled Times. This, this was very troubling. TTT. Yes. That's pretty good. Um, Tim, what, what's got you riled up? Well, I got angry. I've been angry about this for a while, but I don't want to. I just feel like sometimes you should let things lie and don't, you know, just let it go away. But this guy just won't go away. The that, and I believe it's pronounced Foyt, Sean Foyt, mm. the guy that's been running around the country leading um, large worship services during COVID, protesting. Uh, lockdown and kind of the church's you know, freedoms being taken away, being told we can't worship because mm. there is a pandemic killing 
hundreds of thousands of people. But he uh, he returned to Los Angeles this last couple days and was doing a thing with uh, down on Skid Row. And there are some videos of people casting out uh, demons from homeless people that I was watching online. And then uh, and then he did a huge event worship event on New Year's Eve. Thousands of people coming out and no masks on singing, which I think was number one on the list for um, spreading activities. Singing projects fr- uh, more air and more whatever yeah, out of your particles. mouth than anything else. Yes. And I just, I just, it makes me so, I, the witness that this is, and I, I feel like we should at least just say that we don't think this is a very good idea. I'm trying to word this nicely. I don't want to sound, <laughs> um, <laughs> I want, I don't want to sound condescending and I want to be respectful and, um, conversational on these topics um i know that i realize that that's kind of the same thing as saying no offense before you say something so that's not lost on me um you know i have i i know i know folks who have attended these friends um but um i feel at the same time you gotta call a spade a spade from time to time yeah, I don't know. I just I I feel like the witness is is terrible. And when you talk to non Christians or or my non Christian friends start talking about the church during the pandemic, this is one of the biggest witnesses because it's a big, it's very televised, it's yeah, very talked about, it's very big. And so they're just like Christians are such selfish people. Yeah, they have to get together and they have to do this thing regardless of of the you know what come the outcome. Yeah. Yeah, I um, it, and and it is interesting. I, I wrestle often with how and when do you call crap out because yes. it's literally all we could spend our time doing, versus <laughs> constructively building something or some ratio between the two. Um, I. I and so I I literally don't know. I don't know. I mean, you have examples in the Bible of of Christians confronting each other over issues. Um Paul and Peter being the most famous when 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 Paul Paul decides to put that in one of his letters that gets canonized like I had to call Peter out. Um <laughs> So uh, and then social media, it just it just focuses on the worst of every group and every tribe. Um, and so I think I, there are a couple of things in here I think are, are interesting to explore. One is okay. Well, when do you when do you name names and go? This is just ridiculous. And um, and my response in part is, would there have to be some occasions for that, right? Or I would assume so. For the sake of witness. Because um, one of the things we hear from people a lot is, regardless of whether or not you agree with whatever it is we're doing, it's helpful to know that you're not alone in asking the, the big questions. Right. And so there's something about the solidarity of, of looking around going, hey, are we crazy to think <laughs> this is so ridiculous? And the answer is no. Actually, there's a whole bunch of us who think, this is dumb on so many levels. Um, so I think there's value there to let people know. I'm there is. I'm curious if, about the conversation because the 
I avoid Facebook conversations like the plague. I Why? Used to get They're into so helpful. <laughs> and it, because of that, exactly, like you, it just it it polarizes even more, pushes, and so within church conversations, it really pushes people uh, into further into two Christian camps. You know, you can see the church. Yeah. You can literally watch the church fracturing during right. this, especially this last couple of years, like really picking their sides of the things. And somebody posted about going to the event uh, a couple months ago, and and it was I just was so upset. <clears throat> and they were talking about you know like it's just we this is how we have to worship. And I was like that's not what worship means. Like the the whole thing just kind of threw me off a little bit. And then I was going to respond to them because someone told me was like you should go respond and just start a conversation so that people know that this is what you think. Like it's even if it's in a, in conversation form, it's still kind of calling out the. Yeah. The whatever. But I was like, no, I'm just going to let people keep doing what they're doing. And I'd love to, I'd love to have him on the podcast if anyone knows him. Sure. I went to college. I went to college in Reading. I went to college uh, and Bethel was just a small church at that point. I had no mm-hmm. idea it had ballooned into the gigantic machine it is now. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's just categorize briefly. Why, why we might have a problem. So we'll start with Tim's anger, and then we'll broaden it to <laughs> why is this dumb? Um, and, and if we sound condescending, well, okay. We, we get, sometimes we get critiqued for like having strong opinions, and, and we want to be a place where people can disagree civilly, and so we always want to embody that. But I, I don't know. I think there are some things where you're like, hmm, that's really foolish, and um, I I'm always think trying you, to do the spec and plank too. Like I don't want to. I don't want to just be yeah. like you, 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 you. Yeah. Without yeah. looking at me, 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 me first. Well, we've established our idiocy. It, <laughs> it just. I don't think anyone, anyone. If there's any doubt? There's 276 <laughs> episodes you can listen to prior to this one. Totally, totally. So, so yes, yes. But let's just talk about generically then. Let's use him as an example of a kind of posture towards the world um, that we would have questions about. So so first of all, um, Tim, what you brought up is concern about how this appears to those who are outside the kingdom. And, And obviously, Paul spends a lot of time instructing his churches to care and how to care about what the culture thinks of the Christian message. And so th- this is a legitimate concern, and it doesn't drive everything, right? Because, of course, we believe some crazy stuff, and people are going to think we're crazy. But the the goal is to th- be thought crazy for the right things, not dumb things. And, um, <laughs> you know, the idea that there are, there are Christian nonprofits uh, secular nonprofits who are banding together to protect the homeless from non-mask wearing people who want to shout, pray, and sing over them. Um, I don't know. Seems like seems like that seems like that's an issue. Yeah. Um, so so you know, in terms of like representing Jesus well, <laughs> I think I think maybe we don't get a pass on that. Theologically, it's got it's horrific. Um, it is absolutely horrific 
the assumptions that unless we can worship by singing in a large gathering in a church, if we can't do that, then we're being persecuted, is the most American, individualistic, consumeristic, stupid piece of theology in the history of the planet. The Chinese, the churches around the world who cannot gather in big million dollar buildings with air conditioning and uh, children's ministry are not feeling that the American church is persecuted because we can't gather for an hour a week in our multi-million dollar facilities. Give me a freaking break. It is wrong about theology. It's wrong about worship. It's wrong about church. It's wrong about persecution. It is absolutely, we're being inconvenienced and, and forced to have to consider the needs of our neighbor. And our response to this is, F you guys, we serve God rather than human beings. As if wearing masks and not meeting in order to protect the most vulnerable people, we're bowing down to Caesar. <laughs> Give me a freaking break. It's, it's just utterly disgusting. It's so anti-Jesus, I can hardly stand it. And yes, is this condescending? Yes. Tim was the one angry, but I'm angry now. <laughs> Yeah, it's hard not to, yeah, I don't know. Well, and, and this victimization thing that we've got going, right? Yeah, oh, I mean, they're it's different. The, you really can't tie, you can't, just can't separate loving the Lord and loving your neighbor. You cannot. It's, but we are trying really hard. And the other thing, I've had, I've seen a few pastors during this time period, not, not on the uh, worshiping outside conversation, but just during COVID as numbers spike and then go down and spike and... Um, you know, like our, our pastor here in town did a great, came online, which is like, Hey guys, you know, we're going to, we're putting, we're putting some energy into loving our neighbors. We're not going to be meeting in the church, et cetera, et cetera. And guess what? Uh, worship doesn't need a church building. He was like, we're still going to worship. We are still going to yes. Um, yes. be worshiping, but we're going to be doing it from home. We don't need. And then I just sat there and I was just like, what does worship mean? Right. It right. means ascribing worth, right? Isn't that the definition of worship? That's, ascribing that's worth it. to something? Yep. So if we're got our, you know, unmentionables all tied up in a knot uh, over not being able to worship, it seems like no. we're, the worth no. is being ascribed to something other than... Well, yeah. My goodness. It's, it's just so shallow to think that um, unless we can sing our nice songs to Jesus and have a pep rally for Christ, that somehow <laughs> we're being persecuted and can't worship. I mean, what a load of nonsense. What a load of nonsense. I just can hardly stand it. Never mind the fact that you're raising tons of money to do these things. You're defying civil authorities. When, when that crowd precisely wants to quote Romans 13, about obeying civil authorities when it comes to immigration or other issues. Right. Um, and, and, and we're doing it because no one can take our right to worship. Well, that's true. You can worship in a jail cell. We got, we got loads of examples of that. So give me a break. Until we're being imprisoned for the name of Jesus and put to death, we're not being persecuted. And that, I mean, how many, and, and, and there are records. I mean, I've, I've got at least six articles of instances where church services or choir gatherings led directly to the deaths of people. Yes. Um, just... And and why it is that that's not enough? I I just uh, it's the it is so selfish. 
There is a Jewish principle derived from Torah that's all over Torah. It's just, it's called the preservation of life. Pekuach nefesh. And, um, and, and, it, and it's, it's an obligation for all Jews that to save a life um, is the most important thing you can do. Literally, a quote oh, right, from the yeah. Mishnah. I, I think we. I don't know if we've talked about it here, but a quote from Mishnah is like, "To save a life is to save the world," according yes. to the scriptures. And um, if we believe that all, all, I mean, and and this is what's driving me crazy. Okay, great, let's fight for the unborn. But my goodness, why would you risk uh, infecting homeless people? Yeah, for this. Right. And, and I'm, listen, I'm all for proper civil disobedience. I mean, seriously, I, I, I may it be that, um, if ever we were called upon to renounce the Lordship of Jesus, right. that we would say, you know what, we're not budging on that sucker. Yeah. Um, but, but to insist, um, in, in a way that is completely unwelcome, even by other Christians, yeah. That we have to go and do this. It violates the very heart of Torah, right? Which is the preservation of life. Yeah, which and, has been one of the things that's continually burned me through this is how we rationalize death numbers. Oh, totally. It's like it's only this percentage of the population yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And then when I see the church starting to do that, I'm just like, you're, you know, <clears throat> those are individual lives. Yeah. And you got I don't. I mean, I don't know. And yes, of course, everything's being politicized. So of course, one group's going to overplay the numbers and, uh, and and work to you know destabilize current efforts to combat the virus. And another group's going to downplay the seriousness of the thing. I got it. It's all politicized. I got it. But as yeah. for me and my house, it's really, really simple. We preserve life at all costs. I mean, it really yeah. is that simple. Yeah. And, um, uh, I, you can't, you know, the fact that they, that these are nursing homes full of people who are dying, uh, because we should be fighting for their lives as much as we're fighting for death row inmates or the mm -hmm. lives of the unborn. Right. I mean, it's just, it's just incredible to me. And again, I, I will go back after this podcast and wrestle with shoot, was I too harsh and whatever, but um, I don't know, man. I, I don't. I, sometimes I think, well, we're not we're, we're not harsh enough. <laughs> yeah, because it's, well, this I is mean, a conversation. Just so the people know, this is a conversation that we have often. Yes. After we've been called out a couple times for being condescending on on issues, and then you know, both of us suffer from anxiety. But I'll only speak for myself. When I get called out on something, I I roll around in it for a while, trying to figure out exactly. Was it that? Did I do this? Did I do that? Da, 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 et cetera. Right. However, I, I, I do, and I will wrestle on the other side, like some things need to be just called out. But if people listen to this and you either A, really appreciate what this gentleman is doing with his worship services, or you have someone in your life that you would want to listen to people talk about why this is not okay, I want it to sound like something that we're really struggling against and trying to uncork or I don't know. I want people to be able to listen to it and not be like yeah. those two ding dongs. Yeah. The, the knock, know everything. Yes. The knock we get sometimes 
And and Tim, it's way less you, Dorquad. Um, <laughs> I brought all this up. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, the knock we get is like with the QAnon episode we did with Sky, we got a significant for us amount of pushback that was like, dude, I'd love to share this with people, right. but you're going to alienate them because you know you think their view is nonsense. And um, and so yeah, we do wrestle with that, and even even calling this out. Um, you know, Tim is totally willing as we're, you know, texting with a group and we're just like, this is insane. It's like, I don't even know if we should talk about this, but I'm like, ah, I don't know, man. I, I, I think it, it, it's showing, I can't, I don't know his motives. I mean, I have questions about the money and the, and the performing bit of this and the, you know, but, uh, but those are all true of me too. So, you know, the, the bigger issue for me is why we've allowed what really should be a simple thing to be politicized. And that is to mm-hmm. preserve our neighbor's life at all costs. It even exp- at the expense of our own, you know, I mean, the earliest Christians, one of their, one of the witnesses of the earliest Christians was rushing into pandemics to care for the sick. Hmm. I think we have, we have a letter from a Roman emperor. I think it's third or fourth century who was complaining to the high priest of Rome that the Christians take better care of their poor than they do. And and here, it just, this does not look like care for anybody. It looks like claiming our rights, fighting for our liberties at the expense of other people, yeah. which is exactly the opposite of what it was that Jesus modeled and Paul called us to. Yeah, And so, yeah, I do think... Um, this was a this was a good reason to talk about this because I mean it's like it's like my kids my kids they're not gonna Lord willing I mean although I just read of a teenager who went on you know a ventilator which is awesome um, not uh, my kids are not likely gonna get this and if they do it's not gonna be serious but yeah. I still insist that they wear masks why. Because we have a, a grandma, and yeah. we've got a Seth, and we've got, you know, you, this is just yes. a fundamental part of life. We care about each other. And, and don't insist on our rights if it comes at the expense or harm of another. And, and yeah. that is so fundamentally Christian. And what he's doing is so fundamentally not. And that's the issue. This so is there's not... your invitation to come on the podcast. Yeah. Well, and then I and then I was reading about, you know, some of the Trump stuff. Um, God anointed Trump for eight years, not four, and yeah. you know, and it's just, uh, it's so. I mean, we could literally spend all of our time fighting against this, but they're good, like genuinely good people who believe this. Yes, and um, and I don't know what to do. I. I th- I don't know what to do. I really don't. It, it's it's blasphemous in some quarters. It just is. Um, how do you disciple people away away from this? I don't know. I don't know. So anyhow, there is that. <laughs> we we are going to turn our attention back to the Sermon on the Mount, my friend. Yeah. And let's get let's talk about money. Let's do it. <laughs> Why why the heck not? Jesus, I mean, as Jesus is rummaging 
through the human soul. And he's talking, you know, he's demonstrating the righteousness of his kingdom over against the righteousness of human religious tradition and systems embodied by the Pharisees. And as he's critiquing uh, this temptation we have to perform religious acts and and to um, to get by with just the, the minimum of what it is that God asks us. Well, I'm not murdering, so it must mean yeah. I'm loving our neighbor. I'm not, I'm not committing <laughs> adultery or I'm not having sex with another person, so I'm not committing adultery. And Jesus is like, you know, he's rummaging through the human soul going, okay, well, let's talk about lust and let's talk about integrity and let's talk about anger and um oh yeah and let's talk about money (laughs) and so the way jesus talks about money is way different than how the church talks about money um and and you have to start there that that how jesus speaks of money is so different than how the church talks about money and we've you know even last episode we were talking about why we have hope for the church and why would we even consider giving money to the church Right. So we're going to set that part aside. We realize there's been immense harm and manipulation done over these verses. I mean, immense. Um, and yet, we're still kind of here going, well, um, Jesus still has stuff to say. And it's really hard stuff for us to hear. And it's that which makes it all the more important we pay attention to it. So today, my friend, we have the voice of an angel. That's right. Straight His name is PC, right? Yeah, PC Ward. PC Ward is going to read our text from Matthew 6. Here we go. What's up, y'all? My name is PC Ward. Coming at you from Lake Jackson, Texas, reading Matthew 6, 19 through 24. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The voice of a southern angel, ladies and there gentlemen, right there. Um, so, so this is a text that if you've been in church or around, you know, Christian circles, this is odds are you've heard stuff along these lines. And there's, I mean, we could spend weeks on it. Um, quite honestly, there's so much here, but I just want to go. I want to go through it a little bit, and then there's there's a statement in Luke that kind of summarizes this in a really punchy way that I want to explore and then come back to Matthew. All right. So I'm going to just, I want to go through the Matthew text quickly, go to the punchy Luke statement, explore that, 
and then come back to the Matthew statement. All right. So got it. When when you read about treasures on earth and heaven, we always have to start off with what is earth and what is heaven. Heaven and earth are realms of authority. They 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 overlap. The story of the Bible begins with them overlapping quite dramatically, right? That God created the heavens and the earth, uh, and that God fashions the earth, at least the the land, in the first seven days to become a place where he he rests uh, as a king would rest in his temple. He fashions these creatures who, unlike the other ancient Near Eastern stories, are given a great deal of dignity. They're not created to be slaves. They're created to be co-rulers and to expand the borders of this temple garden throughout the rest of the created world. It's an epic, epic story. And then there is a sundering of that as the humans choose their own authority, their own independence. And they yield yield, um, their right to the garden through um, choices of autonomy and independence. And then the, the, then the earth becomes the place, as Jesus will say, um, heaven is the place where God's will is done. Earth is the place where other wills are done. And so heaven isn't up there. Heaven is all around us. In, in Hebrew, the word heaven just means the stuff, um, the stuff that's invisible all around us. And the earth just means the land. Um, but as this gets fleshed out a little bit, heaven and earth become realms of different k- kinds of authority. And, um, and so treasures in heaven aren't streets of gold and crowns. Treasures in heaven are, it's a Jewish way of saying you value the things that God values. Treasures on earth, that's a way of saying you value the things that the earth values. All right. So you're not, you're not storing up in the sense of like there's this big bank account and you'll get your right. diamonds and rubies and crowns, you know, when you show up. It's no no no, it's it's what are you valuing? What do you it's it's the worship conversation, right? You're declaring allegiance to something and so uh, you have to pick. And he says, "Well, the treasures of earth, I mean, obviously, they all are illusory. They're all temporary." And he gives examples of, well, back then, of course, rodents can get in and tear apart fabric. Thieves can break in and steal because you didn't have banks. Very, very just easy to understand. Like, Yeah, I've had experience with both of those. Yeah. Yes. Yes, you have. <laughs> yes, you have. Yes. And yeah, we just had our garage broken into for the second time. Come on. Ohio, what's, what's going on with that? Anyway. And then you think he's talking about something else when he starts talking about the eyes. But this is a very ancient um, Near Eastern proverb about an evil eye and a good eye. An evil eye is a greedy eye and a um, good eye is a generous eye. So you look upon the world and you see scarcity or you look upon the world and see abundance. And out of that, then your life declares um, its allegiance. So if you're seeing scarcity, then obviously you're hoarding. If you're seeing abundance, then obviously you share. Hmm. And then Jesus, of course, and he's making the same point here three different ways. So it's it's two treasurings, it's two kind of eyes, and then it's two masters, right? He's saying the same thing three ways. And, and, And it's a very profound point. You literally cannot be devoted to money or, or to God. You just, you have to pick. Because, and then, and then this is the only place I'm aware of that Jesus names a rival. 
um, that threatens discipleship and to him. And he calls it money, but in older translations, it's capitalized and it's mammon, which is the Aramaic word for the God, the demonic yeah. power and principality that sits behind money and greed. So for individualized capitalistic consumers in 21st century America, um, this it's so profound that it's easy to ignore, right? Well, of course I can have both, right? Because I give a little to the church. I do some charity. I get my tax breaks, of course. And doesn't Jesus elsewhere say that you can use money for good? So of course. Now, now, Jesus in Luke, the Luke, Luke records Jesus talking about money in ways that are congruent with how Matthew records it, but a little, a little punchier. So there's one line I want to look at. And this line, I'm stealing here from much people much smarter than me. All right? So, you know, I don't think anyone thinks I have original thoughts, but if you do, just realize, no, I study really smart people. That's um, actually the, na- the new name of the podcast is just Unoriginal Thoughts. Yes, by Jack Handy. Um, but in Luke 14, here's the punchy, here's the punchy line Jesus gives. All right. And it's, it's, it, it's at, uh, at the end of a long section of discipleship. He says in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Now (laughs) it turns out he's saying the same thing here as he's saying in Matthew, but he's saying it in a way that's much more intrusive to American Christians, right? It's got a little, it's got a little, little, uh, little edge to it. Yeah. So we want to do a little bit of work to understand what he's saying here because it's so freaking profound. Uh, Because, because on the face of it, it's like, well, I I happen to own the shirt I'm wearing in the house. I don't own it. I borrowed it. Um, I'm paying off the house I live in and the car I'm driving. And, and, and then if having things is wrong, don't we cause the poor to stumble when we give them things? Um, so am I a hypocrite just by even, by even possessing what I possess? I mean, if you put my income in the global income calculator, I'm in the top percent of the world. So Jesus has to be talking to me here, but I've not given up everything. Right, so we immediately start looking for loopholes. But what Jesus, what Jesus is doing here, doesn't give loopholes, and it's just it's so epic. So we got to do some Greek, all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And this is Greek where I'm obviously uh, trusting and the scholarship of of people much smarter than me. So, um, so I want to look at three three phrases from this sentence. The sentence is in the same way. Those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. So when I look at, I want to look at three phrases. The first uh, word, give up. Then I want to look at the phrase, I guess the first phrase, give up, because that's a phrase, not a word. Um, Although it's one word in Greek. And then I want to look at the phrase, everything you have. And then look at the word, cannot. All right? Give up everything you have, cannot. Yes. Because what Jesus is doing here, it's so freaking awesome. Oh, all right. So to give up, shockingly, is the easiest of these words. It means to surrender, renounce, bid, farewell, or send away. 
No wiggle room there. Right? <laughs> Farewell it all. Everything you have. Now, this is two words. Um, one of the words is a short word that just means all in Greek. Another word is a compound word. Who? Now, this is where, like, I'm going to butcher this. But it's huparko, I think is <laughs> how I might say it. And it means to possess or own. So all that you possess is the idea. Now, this word, ubarko, uh, I hate saying it because I know I'm butchering it. <laughs> this word is actually made up of two words. All right? So we're like, this is a lot of charades going on here. Um, everything you have is two words. All possess. But this word for possess or own is actually two words. And this is where it gets interesting. These two words, one of the word, the hupo means under, and arco, and again, I'm mispronouncing it, means to begin. And so, so the idea is when you own something, you come under it to begin something. Hmm. You come under or hold on to or support or bring about something new. All right, so when you own something, uh, here's what he's getting at, and I it, this is just I, I I love I love Jesus for this. Um, <laughs> what he's getting at is when you possess something, when you own it. Let's think about it in American terms. I walk in to a jean store. All right, I don't buy jeans, but let's say this happens, and I and there are a, there's a wall full or a store full of inventory, and they're just jeans. But I, I, I go through the ritual of trying them on and finding my size. And then, I, and then I engage in the ceremony of transaction, right? Where I turn over something of value to me in order to receive something of value from the store. And in that process, I create something new. Now, What's created isn't the genes, right? The genes have always been there. Yeah. But what's new is my relationship to the genes. When I came in there, they were just genes. I come out of there and they're mine. I, have n I now uphold them and come under them in a new relationship of me possessing them, of, of their being mine. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, 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 now the, I mean, this is so great. So, so the first word, give up. Yep. Surrender. Um, everything you own. Okay. Now here's where it gets interesting. Everything that you uphold as yours. Okay. So, so literally though, when we possess something, it's not like we've, we've brought something new into existence. God is creator of all things, right? Um, but we bring in a new reality when we possess something, namely the fact that these genes that were anybody's yeah. are now mine. I've yeah. engaged in the appropriate ceremony. I've transacted the, with the correct ritual. And now I have legal proof called a receipt that these are now mine. That new relationship that's created is what Jesus is talking about. Yeah. All right. All right, so I'm upholding that relationship. But by my, yeah. by, do you understand how I'm upholding it, right? When I go to a, my truck, it's my truck. 
I'm upholding yeah. it. I, I pay for its registration. I take care of it. I clean it. Why? Because it's mine. I don't yeah. do it for any other truck. I do it because this one is mine. So I'm yeah. upholding its identity as mine. Yeah. Makes sense so far? Yes. Oh. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> now, Jesus uses this word in, and let me quote from my Greek friends, in the present active participle form. In other words, this isn't something you do once and then you own it. No, no, no. Right. You actually spend, expend energy upholding the mindness of possessions. Yeah. All right? Oh. So as long <laughs> as I think of something as mine, I'm coming up under it and upholding it as mine. Right? We think that when we buy something, I just buy something and I own it and it's done. That's yeah. not what Jesus is saying. No, 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 no. There's an energy that has to be expended every time you mine something, right? You declare it to be mine. So it's possible that, that our possessions own us as much as we own our possessions. Now, I've actually, I've experienced this in any number of ways. A dumb example was when I, um, I used to drive an old, beat-up Ford Expedition. I mean, this thing had stains that I don't know where they came from. <laughs> and we we were at the stage of life where our kids were little. And so they, not that they're changed at all since then, actually. But, but you know, they would make messes and dump juice boxes and spill whatever in the back, right? Yeah. It just didn't matter. Somebody, I was in a parking lot and somebody dinged it. And I, did, I just didn't care. I did not care. Because it was a piece of junk, and I loved it, and it worked, and it was just fine, right? I just didn't care where I parked it. I didn't care if someone hit it. I just didn't care. Well, then I go out, and then I lease. I've never had a new truck before, so I lease a new truck. Well, first of all, leasing, I think, is a really dumb move. But I'm not Dave Ramsey, so don't quote me on that. But um, all of a sudden, I have a new truck, and all of a sudden... There, there's this, it's mine, and there's this energy that I now expend worrying about it. So, like, yeah. I, park, I park differently. It costs more money to insure. Um, when the kids make a mess, I get frustrated with them in ways I didn't get frustrated before. All of a sudden, I, I mean, literally, I was realizing there's a hidden cost to ownership, right, that was different than... Yeah. When it, when it, when, so I didn't, when my old truck, yeah, it was mine, but it didn't own me, right? Because I didn't care. Okay, yeah. whatever. But that new truck, that owned me because now I cared about it and I worried about it. Or like we've gotten new furniture at times, you know, over the course of 20 years of marriage. And, 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 and it kind of sucks an energy out of you to be constantly patrolling the things that are mine. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, it does it both ways, right? It's not just a new thing, but even with the old car, is it just a matter of possession that, because even the old car, which is what I always have, require constant need that I have to be engaging with. You know what I mean? Like, is it, totally. is it just, totally. so it's a well, relational, it's a relational. It can, it can be for anything. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Jesus, G, what Jesus is saying, what he's addressing isn't just the having of possessions, but yeah. it's the constant declaring uh, over possessions that they are mine. Yeah. That is what prevents you from becoming a disciple. You cannot walk around in the world declaring things mine and think that you have energy left over right. to become a disciple. That's a very see, that, American... Uh, I think I think this is really fascinating because it's uh, and it opens up a whole different conversation about which we kind of teased with the capitalism conversation because um, we live in a we live in a uh, environment that is just it's just built on this yeah and so it, it's like it is the way of life here which just opens up really interesting because it's really I I feel like the previous things like you mentioned. Uh, lust and anger those are ones that we can easily pinpoint like i like a we've made a bigger deal out of those growing up right like yeah we know we shouldn't murder somebody yeah yeah that's fair fair. and lust and adultery are really easy to pinpoint and we've had multiple conversations about shame and things associated with that so we're really good at pinpointing those and seeing them yeah calling them out and but this is actually the way we like this is actually how we live this is our orientation to the world. Yes. Yeah. So it's a whole, it's a really f- much more, I don't want to say complicated, but it's it's how we are, st- how we've structured to live our lives is in this, this transactional existence. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, you talk about, if you really want to get rolling on this, think about how we've turned um, Jesus following into that same transactional model. Totally. Yes. Right. I give up something of value. Jesus gives me something of value, you know, uh, and I have to, I have to figure out if it's worth the the price, worth the cost. Yes. And um, so, yes, we can go down that rebel, but we're not done, Tim. Yeah. yeah, I know. I didn't want to sidetrack, but I think that's an interesting in, in the line of events of what we've been talking about. It's, Oh, it absolutely is. And, and again, I've been around, this isn't about whether or not you own stuff, right? This is about, when you own stuff, you open yourself up to a power and a principality. There is a spiritual, there is a spiritual sucking out of life that comes if possessions begin to rule us. That's just true. And I've been around rich people who have loads of possessions and who are, who are not owned by them. And I've yeah. been around poor people who have very little who are owned by the little they have. Totally. Right. So this this. That's why this is such brilliance of Jesus, because it'd be easy, be easy to hear something like this, right? And and answer the way the disciples did it. Well, we gave up everything. Are you kidding me? Yeah. We did it. We gave up yeah. everything. Yeah. We are following you. Come on. And and you can be you can be dirt poor. And um and now Jesus does say there's an advantage. There is a an advantage. It's not right. better to be poor, right? But the rich are at a disadvantage. Because they can trust in their sufficiency, or think they can. Um, so that's why Jesus will 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 say the rich are disadvantaged um, yeah. for sure. That just means they have to work harder against mining. Yeah, but think about how many human relationships have been broken over possessions, right? Even with my kids, oh, I would yeah. yell at them differently if they spilled something in the new truck than than if they did in the old truck. Yep. <laughs> I've had those arguments in the last 12 hours. Yes. Yes. So it's what Jesus is getting. Oh, and then we get to the word cannot. Now the word cannot here, 
Man, this is a tricky word because it, it's it, it too is made up of two different words. Right. And the one, one word just means not. <laughs> but there's another word that's dunamai, which is a word that's translated dunamis, which is like power. Um, dunamai is to exercise power or have an ability. It's where we get, dunamis is where we get the word dynamite. And so, but here's the thing. Here's, here's the way one scholar translates this verse, Okay. In light of the little bit of Greek we just did. Unless you surrender the ongoing activity of making things mine, you lack the power to be my disciple. Hmm. Because what the cannot there is talking about, you don't have the power. You do not have the power. He's not, this isn't a threat that Jesus is giving. This is just, he's describing a reality that mammon will suck you dry. The love of money will suck you dry and you will not have anything left over to become a disciple of Jesus. You cannot go around mining the world and, um, and declaring it yours and be a follower of Jesus. Again, not a threat, just saying that's just the truth. It'd be like, yeah. it'd be like saying um, you cannot sleep around with every, every uh, person you meet and consider yourself married. Right. It's just, that's not how it works. Right. Right. Um, And so, so the word here is a strong and um, challenging word that goes way beyond. See, what we want to make it about is percentages given to church. And, um, and that's the church's fault. We're so lame, right? Hey, we need to keep our lights on. And that's true. And we've talked about that. But um, there's a deeper level that goes after the American dream. And that's why one of the things that that keeps getting reported in Acts about the early church is that no one held their possessions as their own, but shared. Oh, that's communism. Oh, that's socialism. No, that's biblical. Yeah. So, so, uh, and that's why Jesus will attach one salvation to how they treat the poor. Mm-hmm. Right in Matthew twenty-five. I mean, like there, there's this huge thread of this stuff that we just ignore, but we want to focus on homosexuality, you know, <laughs> or uh, whether or not we can sing in public. Yeah, and so, so you get when you get back to Matthew, um, and Jesus names the rival power Mammon, right? That's the power. It, it, it literally, there is a, we have a mystical connection with our stuff when we choose to make it mine. And so how do you practice not mining your stuff? What Jesus isn't saying is don't own stuff. Yeah. He's not saying that because he had, he, had, he had some wealthy followers who did follow him, right? The, there's a woman listed who was the, the secretary of the treasurer for Herod's treasury. Not the, he was the, she was the wife. Of the secretary. Yes. I hope I said it that way. Um, and she supported his ministry, right? Yeah. Joseph of Arimathea. Here's a tomb. I mean, there, yes. The issue is or, or whether or not you own stuff. The issue is how much your stuff owns you because it will crowd out devotion, anything else. That's Jesus's point. You can only have a singular devotion. And if it's mining the world, making the world mine, then there is no room or power left. Yeah. Um, to, to become a disciple of Jesus whose who's, who's understanding literally is 
that that this I own nothing. I've given mm-hmm. up my rights. I've renounced my entitlements. I sit on a cross, as Gambas has talked about. And now I look upon the world, and of course I have concerns for my family and for providing. And Paul even says, if you don't take care of your own family, um, you know, you're worse than an unbeliever. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of like, if you have charity and don't provide for those in your family, I mean, it's like a big deal. Um, you know, we're, we're commended to work and to exercise and vocation to support. All of those things are true. Yeah. But you can do all of those things and still be defined by greed and attachment, or you can do those things and not be defined by greed and attachment. And so that's why regular generosity in secret is such a big deal. Mm-hmm. That's why how it is we go about buying things is a big deal. Like that ritual of buying. There's no there's no ritual for me. I just I want it. Can I afford it? Yes. Done. <laughs> yeah. I never think of the opportunity cost, the spiritual opportunity cost of what that thing's going to cost me to own. I never yeah. think about that. It'll cost me in worry. I worry about it. Something could happen to it. I, I worry in terms of having to spend extra money to care for it, yeah. put stress other places. I worry about what other people might do to it. It ruins relationships, right? It just adds. So that so there's this great movement afoot it's called minimalism. That um, and, and I think you're seeing this with like oh, who is the woman that was saying if it doesn't spark joy. You know, right. get rid of it. Yes. Marie Kondo idea. or something. Yes. Yeah. 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 I think that's part part of part of uh, part of the reason why that stuff is attractive is because I think we're all tired of living under the constant mining of of the world. Yeah. And um, I got to worry about my portfolio and my retirement. I mean, and I am guilty of all of this. Tim, literally, I mean. I'm speaking to no one but me. The, the the log in my eye is huge on this. Right. Yeah. You know? So, but it's just so much deeper than do you give money to the church? No, it's, it's so complicated. <laughs> like right now I'm just thinking about like generational wealth and how, how that has um, set certain people up for success in life and has um, made it difficult for or other people crippled to... Them. Yeah. Or or it's crippled them. Generational wealth is crippling. So our pursuit of that in some ways has just it's created that. That's like a that's a that's a byproduct of the way we've been living. Right. But I also just like I I went and I've said it before but I just I what the thing that has been striking me again through this entire series is how much, you know, everything that Jesus addresses, he's turning it back towards this is this is something that has to do with how you are navigating everything, and it's not just like a, I check a box where I'm like, all right, anger is bad. All right, got it. I won't be angry again. Done right. that one. Lust is bad. All right, got it. Won't do that one again. Yeah. Uh, but it's all just like I'm going to deal with that every single day. All yep. of these topics I will deal with every single day. So everything about this is something that I have to continually work at and i don't mean that in a bad way i just mean that it's he's showing how relational all of this stuff is yeah and then when i think about this this especially this last year and how unwilling we've been to let go of old ways of doing things to embrace what could be or to learn or to grow or to whatever 
all I see is us not being willing, or I'll just say me, me being unwilling to uh, engage in that constant relationship of changing my heart and growing and wrestling against and like, does that make sense? Or am I just ranting? Yeah, no, 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 no. It totally makes sense that, that the everything's presented as checkboxes. Everything is presented to us as checkboxes and this, he's tearing down every single checkbox and saying, nope, this is all about, it's not about just, yeah. So uh, someone would hear this, section of scripture taught on and they'd go out and they'd sell all of their possessions and be like, I I don't know what else to do, but I know that I have things that are worth something. So I'm getting rid of all of them, but it doesn't change anything in them necessarily. Yeah. And I don't like, I think about, I was thinking about Shane Claiborne this morning because he's been having a, a polite back and forth (laughs) with uh, the Sean Foyt guy on Twitter. They are diabolically, they're just very diametrical, whatever. They're very oppositional um, yeah. thinkers on Jesus. But he, in, I don't know. It, 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 it's just, I see how much this is a lifelong wrestling that you have to continually be checking. And that's yeah. why I like it. Because that, yeah. to me, seems like what Jesus is doing is actually transformational. Because I think transformation has a magical element in its, or we've made it a magical idea. That's right. When I, in that transaction, when I uh, give Jesus my thing, he gives me back something and I am transformed. I've let Jesus into my heart and I am transformed. Yes. And it's a magical thing. And it seems like this is Jesus like, nope, we're like, come on, come with me. This is going to be something that we're going to do every day, but it's going to be worth it. Yes. 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 Um, Yes. So there ha- and, and and there has to be counter programming. Yes. Right? I mean that's why you can you can you can do see so so I read the Bible and I pray. But I I don't checkbox it anymore. I used to do it as checkboxes. Right? Now I see it as counter programming. Right. Right? I'm fighting the formation of my soul um because by culture. And so I don't care whether or not I've read the Bible for five days in a row or not, or whether or not I've had my quiet time or whatever. To me, this is about, it's much deeper than that, right? It's about counter-programming to, so that I begin to see the world through, because, I mean, I want to see the world through a good eye. I want yeah. to actually see the world through abundance and not scarcity. Um, and I want to see God that way. My My... I, you know, for me, I've always seen God as very chintzy, very <clears throat> unwilling uh, to bless. Yeah, and uh, that's not the picture presented in the scriptures. And so that that if I see God that way, then I can give up mining much more easily. Right. When I see God and I see the world, <clears throat> and COVID's ex- exposed this. Yeah. When I see scarcity in the world, I want to hoard. Mm-hmm. Be it totally. toilet paper or I don't know whatever. <laughs> I I have a secret on that too that that made us survive. We never ran out of TP. But hello, Tushy. That's funny. Nope. That's that's our other friend who is a rabid <laughs> bidet evangelist. <laughs> no, someday I'll tell that secret. But but um. 
No, Tim, um, you're getting at the heart of what it means to be a disciple and not a consumer. Yeah. The consumer just does the transaction and walks away with the receipt. The disciple goes, holy crap. The project of the, of the renovation of my ruined soul is ongoing, never-ending, relentlessly needed, and that, that ironically is what gives me so hope that it's real, so much hope yeah. that it's real. This seems way more real than, uh, than the version that I grew up with. Yeah. I see this. Yeah. This makes sense. And I see the I see the I see the merit to it instead of a list of things of what not to do. Yeah. Um, which I think this usually gets presented as like, okay, listen, you guys, Jesus is gonna yeah. give you a top ten list of um what not to do. Just stick to those. You know, Moses right. gave us the first round, this is the second round, like Right. Um, but I would think if I was a pastor, I would really want people, this is what I think this is where my mind would be. And maybe this is why I'm not a pastor, that you would want (laughs) your congregation to hold things, a lot of things loose enough, things that they inherited or grew up with, hold them loose enough to be able to really look at it and listen to things and struggle with what it is that Jesus really wanted from you or was, or was what he was trying to give you or teach you or talk to you or share with you. And then when I think about this year, I think this was the year to hold everything loose yeah. <laughs> and in regards to like our, our practices and our, um, our yep. routines and the way that we navigate things. And when I think about trying to have a conversation about this Sean Foyt guy and this worship outside, I want people who I would like them to listen to the, what we were talking about at the beginning of this and hold it loosely to, to really look at it and see, is this how Jesus would do this? Is this how he would handle this or look at this? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I want people to, to be able to make room for Jesus to actually do what he wants to, it intends to do and wants to do with us. I, th- I feel like we hold everything so tightly where we can't hear it. Yeah. Nope. That's so true. It. It's a great way to end buddy. Good stuff, man. Thank you. No, really. Really, really. And I wish I could describe the shirt you're wearing for people because it is <laughs> it is something, man. Usually Tim wears dark black. It's 2021, baby. Faded t-shirts. He's got some pink tie-dye thing on, and it's totally throwing me. Totally you know, throwing me. Anybody who knew me in high school, and this came up on New Year's Eve um, with uh, family talking about we were playing a game and they asked about first impressions and everyone had my card was, what was your first impression of me? Which is always a terrible conversation. Um, <laughs> Cause I had some phases in life that <laughs> man, we've all had that, phases that this is very tame for. Oh, nice. Oh, I want, I want pictures. I want pictures. <laughs> all right, friends. Well, listen, we're deeply grateful that we get to, process this stuff uh with you and um i know i say it but my goodness what an honor to be a small part of your week however your week's going um if you're interested you can help us by liking and sharing and subscribing those things i know it's so lame and i hate saying them but those things really do matter in the world of podcasts and algorithms and so 
It's really Thank easy you. if you don't know what that is. It's just like when and whatever you listen to this on, if it's on iTunes, you just on our where you listen to it, you click the stars, five of them, no matter yeah. what you think of the podcast. You click yeah, only five stars. review if you're going to do five. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, you can review the, the Vox Media podcast that, yeah. Um, yeah, review that. Go one. to Vox Media if you want to do one star and yes. go to ours if you want to do five. Yes. And ours will have a new name. That's right. It's coming. And it's funny. <laughs> it's just not yeah yeah our friend brenda she, i just had uh, 12 things go through my brain of like subliminal inside jokes that would yep. point towards it and yeah. i just heard brenda being like what are you doing yeah yeah we're not we're under all. we're under strict orders <laughs> to not uh you know to not share it yet because I mean, it's a whole branding thing, guys. There, we have a color palette. We have, uh, we're working on a logo for this. Um, maybe we'll have Am a I website <laughs> that's fitting for 2021. Maybe. Yeah. So maybe, anyway, baby. So anyway, enough of our nonsense. Hope, <laughs> hope your new year is great so far. <laughs> Let's cross our fingers. It's only um, the second for us. It is. But hey, what a way to start, man. What a way to start. Buckeyes. Buckeyes. Speaking of God's favorite, <clears throat> God's favor resting over a region <laughs> or a people. No. Um, anyway, thank you, friends. Uh, we deeply appreciate you. And um, we'll see you next episode. All right. Take care of yourselves. Thank you for listening to this conversation. The Vox Podcast is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that is supported by listeners like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us, you can do so at patreon.com backslash Vox Podcast. You can also engage with the hosts on social media at facebook.com backslash Vox Podcast, on Instagram, at Fox Podcast and on Twitter at Mike Erie. Thank you for walking this road with us. <laughs>